Amen. <laughs> Amen. Listen, um, you know, one of the things that I'm starting to realize as we are going through this series, Pastor, is just how difficult, how easy it is for us to appreciate Jesus as Savior. How many love him as Savior? Uh, how many like him as the deliverer, right? Here's the trouble that church folk come into problems with Jesus with. When Jesus wants to start getting involved in every detail of your life. In other words, what we're trying to do through this grace series, through God's word, what the spirit is doing, is he's trying to decompartmentalize our walk with God. In other words, we're no longer telling God, we want you to come down and be with us on Sabbath morning. We want you to, we want you to bless us when we get in trouble. But we want God, we want God to be Lord of every area of our life. We love him as Savior, but he really wants, he died so that he could be Lord. Amen? Mm-hmm. Right. The issue is we want God to invade every space of our lives, every avenue, every area. There's no part that is hidden, no matter what it is. We want God. We want to please God in everything that we do. Amen? So here we go. We're going to review a little bit. How many of you were here last week? You heard what we said? All right. What was our subject last week? Come on, talk, talk to us. Come on, y'all. Are you serious? I was here, Pastor. What was the subject? <laughs> Media and entertainment. Good, good, good. Let's review just a little bit. In summation, this is what we said. The consumption of media lessens our appreciation for the things of God. Here's what we said last week. We said that in the time period that we live in right now, in the society that we live in, we are so inundated with media. We are so accustomed to flashing lights and bells and whistles and excitement. By the time we get to church, church now becomes boring to us. We fall asleep in church. The preacher has to do backflips. He has to pull a rabbit out of a hat. He's got to show you sparks and fireworks and things like that. We are no longer excited about God anymore because we spend so much time consuming media. But here's the funny thing about it. Everything in media and entertainment is really an illusion. And if you really want scandal and if you really want something like the Real Housewives of Atlanta, you should read your Bible. Am I right about that? If you really want scandal, read about David and Bathsheba. (laughs) Read about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. The Bible is actually very exciting. And it's sad today that the people of God come to the house of the Lord and we are no longer as excited about God as we are about entertainment and media. Yeah, here's, here's the devil's plan. Now, I'm not saying the devil is in TV, okay? I mean, TV can be used for good and bad. Media can be used for good and bad. Your phone, the internet, all those things. But... The devil does have a strategy and a plan. And I want everybody to hear this very carefully. The more television and media you consume, it becomes virtually impossible for God to impress you. The Bible is no longer, no longer has the power, nor can it maintain your attention the way it would have if you've lessened the amount and, and how, how much you consume of media. Does everybody understand what we're saying here? And so simply, that's what we were trying to show you last year. There, is really a, there really is a conspiracy behind all this, and the enemy wants us to be so inundated with it when it's time for you to pray, not just in church, because sometimes you guys do pretty good in church. Some of us struggle a little bit, like I'm looking at some folk right now. It's all right. But uh, when you get home, why is it that we will stay up late to watch a presidential election, but we can't get nobody to come to an all-night prayer service? You see what I'm saying? It's a problem. Because of the issue of priorities. How, how can I watch a full day of football, but I struggle to spend an hour in prayer? You see, 
This is all the attempt of the enemy, simply to get us disconnected from God. Absolutely. So we're going to move to a text quickly. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. If you have your Bibles turned there, just look up there with us. We believe this text, and probably the whole book of Ephesians, undergirds the great series. For you were once darkness, Paul says, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And, and, read this with me. Find out, oh, I said read it with me if you did. And find out what pleases the Lord. All right? Be deliberate about it. Have consistency in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. I repeat. But rather expose them. It is shameful for the grace of... Okay, we got our things just a little mixed up there. So we're going to go to Titus 2. <laughs> Basic point here. Find out what pleases the Lord. We learned last week that the problem with us in entertainment is not necessarily what's on the screen. We are not intentional about what we watch. We are not intentional about giving God glory. Very rarely do we think to ourselves, hmm, I wonder if the Lord really wants me watching this. I wonder if this is pleasing to him. So Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared... That offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say what? To ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live what? Self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So essentially this, God is saying he wants to get glory in every area of our lives. All right. Mm -hmm. So that if I am a Christian. I am not at all concerned about sermons that talk about what I should wear. I'm not at all concerned about what I should watch. I'm not offended by that. You know why? Because, look, man, if it's in the word, it deserves to be heard. (laughs) And whatever I have to do to please God, I'm in a mindset to do that. And notice what the scripture says. It says the grace of God trains us or teaches us righteousness. Sometimes we take the grace of God for granted. Everybody wants the grace of God when they mess up and make a mistake. How many of you have ever prayed and asked for God's grace and his mercy in your life? With tears. Been there, done that. But notice this. Grace not only pardons us. Stay here, everybody. Stay here. Stay here. Grace not only pardons us. Grace also teaches us how to live. So God wants to get in our business, so to speak. He wants to get into every detail of our lives. I was telling Pastor, I used to, like, make fun of people who, you know, prayed about everything. You know, like praying about this you prayed about that but when you get close to God you start wanting God involved in every area of your life you start seeing the value of of what it means to please God in every area of your life and that's what we want to talk about today all right so here's our subject for today dress oh lord have mercy um we're gonna come right down your aisle right to your pew this morning is that okay here we go um facebook facebook we live in an I society. Would you agree? Y'all don't agree with me. 
We live in an I society where we love to put ourselves on a pedestal and put ourselves on display. We love to take pictures at the exact right angle so that the light cascades from the window onto us so that we look like Beyonce when we really do not. But it's a glamour shot picture because we want people to see us a picture of our best selves. Amen. Okay. It's an I society. And because of that, we love for people to affirm us and to approve of us. And most of us have what is called simply this. What does that say? We are approval addicts. All right. If we look at this, if we look to God for our approval, we will never experience the pain of withdrawal because we have a constant, steady flow of his love and acceptance. The one thing about people, people are as funny and fickle and two-faced as the day is long. Am I right about that? One minute they will smile in your face and call you blessed and call you great. And the next minute they will stab you in your back. And the problem with us is seeking approval from people is that it does not last. But if we were to seek God's approval, this quote says we will never experience the pain of withdrawal because God already approves of us because he loves us. All right. Yeah, we're not we're not we're not fiends and fighting and worried about what we're not going to get from other people. We're not. In other words, it's hard to get disappointed. Listen to this. It's hard to get disappointed by people when you spend the majority of your time trying to please God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for people to disappoint you because you, this is the, I love what it says. It says there's a steady flow. Somebody say a steady flow. Steady flow. In other words, the love of God is a steady flow and God doesn't treat you like people do. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have good days and bad days where he likes you today and he doesn't like you tomorrow. God's love is consistent. Amen. So, so notice how we're starting this thing. We're saying before we start talking about clothes, we got to embrace a mindset that simply says this. I want to do everything that I have to do to get my approval, not from men, but from God. Clear? Amen. So here's a question for you. Does how I dress, you can shout it out. Does how I dress have any bearing on my salvation? According to 1 Samuel 16, verse 70. Here's the text if you don't know it. The Bible says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So the question for you is, does the way I dress, Pastor Cokes and Pastor Edmonds, anybody in this audience right now, does the way I dress have any bearing on my salvation? Am I saved or lost based on how I dress, based on what we just read? How many of you say no? How many of you say yes? Hmm. Okay. One, two, (laughs) three people in the audience. Okay. (laughs) All right. The gospel, the gospel according to dress. <laughs> we'll so, find, we're going to find out in a minute. So we're going to go to the Bible real quick and tell you what we think. All right. First Timothy chapter two. All right. The scripture says, therefore, I want. And by the way, the scriptures that we're about to read are the only two scriptures yeah, in the right. Bible that even tell people what to wear. Isn't it amazing if you grew up in a certain church? I mean, you would almost think that there were a hundred Bible texts on what people should wear. Just know this. There's only two texts in the Bible that actually tell people how to dress. And we're about to look at these two texts of scripture right now. How many did I say, everybody? All right. Now, what's happening is, is when they expanded the screens, Mm -hmm. the scriptures repeat themselves on the next. Okay. Okay. Just notice. Okay. It says, therefore, I want the men, men that is in males. All right. I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without what? Or what? Verse 9, I also want the women to dress modestly 
with decency and propriety. All right. Then the scripture says that adorn, they should adorn themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold mm. or pearls ah. or expensive clothes, verse 10, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Now, break down the con. This, this passage, Pastor, mm-hmm. has caused more confusion sure. about dress in the church. Mm-hmm. Some people feel like it's unfair. It's picking on the women, not the men. What is the context right. of this passage of Scripture? Whenever you read a passage, you always need to look at the bigger context, the broader picture there. Paul is writing this letter. Paul is kind of like a senior pastor, much like Myron Edmonds, except for Paul is in prison at this time. And he's writing, actually, to his associate uh, pastor, myself, or Timothy at that time. He's writing back to Timothy to give him some counsel at the church at Ephesus where he is. Now, what you have to understand is that Paul writes his letters not simply as a general discourse, okay, with the exception maybe of Ephesians and Colossians, I believe. Paul is writing to issues that he hears about in the church. In other words, he's just not writing just to write. He heard about something, and he's writing to correct that thing. Let me say say this, too. And he's not even writing with you in mind. Right. That's right. That's right. All right? Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to us, but he's speaking to a specific situation. He's a pastor. He hears... Oh, my goodness, there's all kind of stuff going on in the church. He says, oh, I got I to gotta help him. Let me write this about this specific issue. So understand this. The epistles, epistle is another word for pastoral letters of Paul, are written to particular situations. So, I mean, you can't take them out of their context. And we're going to try to help you now to dissect and decode what he's really saying. All right. So in that passage of scripture, Paul writes, and basically he is writing about issues that are happening in public worship. And the main issue that he sees in the church is distractions during worship, all right? Now, notice Paul makes a dichotomy. He speaks to the men first, and he says the men are not praying. Amen. We're about to tell you why they're not praying in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The men are not praying. They're not lifting holy hands. In other words, they are not leading worship. And then he says he moves to the women, and he says the women are adorning themselves in costly apparel. They should not adorn themselves that way. They should adorn themselves with good deeds. What is happening in this time period is, is that the women in the church are trying to dress like the women of the world and other heathen cultures. So get this. The men cannot worship because they're being distracted by what the women are wearing. The women can't really worship in the church because the men aren't leading out, which is what they're supposed to be doing. So A, the men are not praying and they're not leading out. And they're arguing. They're, and they're, they're arguing they're amongst fussing, themselves. They're fussing. They're debating. Their egos, the men's egos are getting in the way. So mm-hmm, this is not mm-hmm. all, it's not all on the women. Mm-hmm. But we're just trying to give you context. The men are fussing and fighting and getting the ego tripping. Mm-hmm. That's what men struggle with. Right. Ego and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The women on the other hand, and by the way, let me just throw this. Mm-hmm. The Greek words for the braiding of hair and all the other things, it's not saying if you braid your hair, you're going to hell. The connotation of these words is sexuality. And ostentation. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know you want to go. Keep no, going. You're good. So worship is not taking place in the church of Ephesus. And Paul is upset about that thing. The men are not worshiping. They're not even praying, lifting up holy hands, not even talking to God at all. The women are more concerned and so self-focused on themselves that they're causing a distraction for the men. The men are distracting the women because they ain't leading out nothing. They're arguing over every doctrine and every counsel that they are given. So the church is literally in chaos right now. And Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, you got to do something about this thing. And all, all right? that, and all that is taking place on Sabbath morning. <laughs> Doing the worship service. Right. This is what's happening. You got flesh on parade. And you got, you, got, you got men fussing and fighting and getting into ego trips with each other. And 
they're also checking out the sisters in the church. So it's real, t- it's real tough for Jesus to get any play. All right? All right. All right. So we told you there's two verses. Here's the second one, Pastor. If you All right, here's the second one. First Peter, uh, here's the second text. Only two. How many did I say, everybody? All right, here's the other one. The Bible says wives, so it tells you what the context is already. In the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word. Now, watch this, guys. So that if any of them do not believe the word. So get the context. Paul is talking to believing women whose husbands do not believe. All right? So watch what he says. He says they may be, that they may be won over without words by the behavior mm-hmm. of their wives. Verse 2, when they see the purity and reverence of your what? Your beauty should not come oh, from, right. outward, from outward adornment, right. such as elaborate hairstyles yeah. and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Verse 4, I need a new mic. Somebody hook me. All right, we back? It says in verse, uh, let's go to verse 3. Let's look at 3 again. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles mm-hmm. and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Verse 4, rather, rather it should be that of your inner self. Yeah. The uh, unfading beauty. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of mm-hmm. a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth <clears throat> in God's sight. Which is of great worth and great passion. So basically, this is what Paul is saying. This mic is a little loud. You can turn me down just a little bit. Paul, and I'm probably going to offend somebody with this, but this is the truth. Paul is not against jewelry. If, if, if you read that carefully. Mm-hmm. Okay. Paul is not against being beautiful or making yourself beautiful. Or being attractive. Or yes. being attractive in any way. What Paul is saying is that the, your beauty should not come from outward appearance. The truth of the matter is your outward appearance is very shallow and it's not going to last forever. That's why Paul says put more effort into the unfading beauty that comes from God, Hallelujah. your inner self. The word of God says charm is deceit, deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she is worthy to be praised. There is something beautiful about a godly woman. And Paul is saying, listen, you ought to put, Peter rather, is saying you ought to put more emphasis on your inner self and your character and your personality and your heart more so than putting on makeup and jewels and making yourself look good, which eventually over time is not going to last. Yeah, so that's the specific, the specific context. Now, now, the specific context was to wives who had unbelieving husbands. All right. Be, I want you to be very clear on this. That was the specific context there. All right. Now there is a word for us today. The overarching context for all of us is this, is that we ought to spend more time investing in character than we do in attracting attention from others by our appearance. That's right. And that goes for men and that goes for women. Amen. All right. And you'll see this unfold very clearly. So there are really two words based on the two scriptures. There are only two words in the Bible. Yes, go ahead, Pastor. That the Bible emphasizes when it comes to dress. Number one, modesty. Everybody say modesty. Modesty. All right. And then number two, our heart. And which one of these do you think trumps the other one? Our heart. Mm-hmm. 
Now, we're going to give you a definition right now of what modesty is, and it will help you to understand where we're going with this message. Go ahead. Okay, so modesty defined. Modesty is simply this, humility expressed in the way that you dress. Can you get with that? Can you get with that? Amen? (laughs) Read it again, Pastor. Modesty is humility expressed in dress. All right. They're going to get in a second either way. We got to keep going. So, I mean, they're going to get. Immodesty is this. Immodesty is much more than wearing a short skirt or a low-cut top. So when we see somebody coming into the church with a low-cut top or a short skirt, we ought not to just judge them immediately. Actually, immodesty is more than that. It's the act of drawing undue attention to yourself. It's pride on display by what you wear. All right? So this is what we came up with. Your wardrobe is a public statement of your personal and private motivation. Many of us believe we just wake up in the morning, we put on clothes just to wear something. I mean, it's whatever. You're not really thinking about it. But at the end of the day, the way that you dress, yeah, it actually does have some bearing on the indication of your motivation for living or rather even what you believe in. Yeah, immodesty is not based on exposure. That's only a narrow view of immodesty. Immodesty is based on a proud heart. So you can be fully clothed and be immodest. That's right. Let's keep it moving. And if you profess godliness, you should be concerned with cultivating modesty and self-control. If you're a godly person, all right? So let me give you an illustration or simply just an example. Advertisements today. How much money is spent for advertisements? They spent last year $412 billion on mass advertising and marketing. You probably could buy like four or five nations with that much money. All right? $412 billion is given in the advertising. You'll notice that for each company, whatever product that they are marketing, they are marketing that thing to a specific audience. Would you agree? Whatever product it is, of course, they, they want as many people as they can to buy it, but they are marketing to every, to a specific demographic in a small pool of people. If they can keep those people tapped in to buy in, they know they're going to be in business for a very long time, all right? So they market... I, yeah. I, I thought of an example of that. Yeah, go ahead. Vi- Viagra. Oh, man. Really? I'm dead serious. Really, though? No, I'm dead serious. Yes, sir. <clears throat> they're... they're I want to draw. I want to draw the men in yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah, take your time. Because, man, if you notice, I mean, you watch some of these commercials, and you know, it's like everybody is trying to go back to being young again, yeah. and they're trying to sell everybody, on, especially the men, on being a playboy, being strong, being enduring, and all those kinds of things. And just as you're saying, advertisement, they're not selling everything to everybody. That's right. But they know that if they earmark this thing to certain brothers and certain people, they will get them. They will buy it. And it has bearing for our clothing and what we wear as well. Unfortunately, brothers and sisters, what you wear attracts certain type of people. And I always hear young ladies all the time and maybe sometimes even young men, but especially young ladies saying, I wonder why only the thugs want to holler at me. I'm wondering why I only attract the bad boy or the rebel. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, not all the time, it is unfortunate if it is not truly the case, but sometimes what you wear, you are advertising to a specific group of people. And we wonder why we're attracting them. We're advertising to them, and we are marketing ourselves to them. Yeah, or the brother, you know what I'm saying, he, he, he goes for a job interview, and he wonder why he didn't get the job because, you know, he's 
tatted all the way up behind right. his ear or, and, he, and he didn't comb his hair. And the bottom line is people make judgments about how you look. Now, we can sit back here all day and say, you shouldn't be judging me. People shouldn't be judging. I don't like that people judge me. Well, guess what? They do. They will. And some of these people that are making judgments on you have power to change the destiny of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember not too long, I don't think it was Mike Nelson was telling me somebody showed up in the courtroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were dressed any old kind of way. And the judge told them, get out and don't even come in here. That's right. Until you have gotten yourself together. Mm-hmm. Mike said he had to go out and buy them some clothes before he could even try their case. That's right. We ought to be concerned to some extent, not over, oh, not an extreme sense of how we are viewed. Because we know that how we look is a witness for our relationship with God. Absolutely. So here's what Sister White says. All right. She says, no precise style. No one precise style has been given me as the exact rule to guide all in their dress. Amen. Amen. In other words, Sister White is saying there is not one standard for everybody. I can't tell everybody how to dress. At the end of the day, we can pull principles from Scripture and we can decide for ourselves because at the end of the day, it boils down to an issue of your conscience and your relationship with God. But she says, God has not given me, you know, one style of dress for all people. And so we're not going to start you off by saying that and say, listen, we have all the answers, but we are going to give you some principles today. All right. So five principles of modesty. What is modesty again? Humility expressed in what? (laughs) In dress. Very good. All right. All right. So here's the first one. Brothers and sisters, please, by all means, dress healthy. Hey, Lord. Dress healthy, brothers and sisters. Please, please do that. Number one, hygiene. Pastor, please. Listen, I mean, first of all, you you could really damage your witness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't clean properly, if your teeth are not in order in terms of brushing them and and flossing. Some of you don't think this is appropriate for church, but some people need to be told this. Your dress is not just your clothes, but it's also what you do with your hair, your appearance, Mm -hmm. your face. Your toes. Come on, talk to me in here, somebody. In other words, give, give no one an occasion right. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> to look at you funny. But hygiene is an issue when it comes to health. Here's the next one. Brothers and sisters, please don't restrict vital organs. Okay. Amen. It seems as though as time progresses, the clothing is not only getting tighter for women. It is getting tighter for men as well. Amen. <laughs> don't restrict vital organs. You're going to regret it somewhere down the line. I bet you that. Okay. Don't, do not restrict the flow of blood. You're going to need that. You, you need that. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, I mentioned in the last service, you know, I, this is not just the sisters. Now the brothers are wearing uh, the skinny, skinny jeans Lord and, and they're sagging them. Um, and just know that it ain't sexy uh, to look at the crack of no dudes behind. That's just not healthy. Amen. It's just not healthy. <laughs> good circulation. Make sure you have good circulation so you could be around the wetter clothes that you like. All right? I don't know why anybody would want to dress like that in Cleveland anyway. It's cold out here. Right. Like, I'm trying to put on as many clothes as I can. Sure, sure. Even sure. in the summer because you never know what will happen here. <laughs> That's right. Which brings to our next one, cover your extremities as well. We'll sacrifice health to wear a low-cut top or something that will reveal our legs or whatever, and next thing you know, we got pneumonia or we're sick. Ellen White says, listen, cover your extremities. Dress for the weather as well. Dress healthily. Amen? All right. Number two, please dress economically. Economically. All right? Here's what she says. 
It is right to buy good material and have it carefully made. This is economy, but rich trimmings are not needed. And to indulge in them is to spend for self-gratification money, money that should be put into God's cause. All right? So here's what she's trying to say. Number one, don't, don't overspend with what you buy. Don't overspend. But sometimes you can become immodest even going to the thrift store or buying something that will not last. Amen. Amen. Ellen White is actually saying that you ought to buy quality because sometimes in the long run, if you skip spending money on something on the, on the front end, you're going to lose that money in the back end because the moment you put that thing into the dryer, the moment you wash that thing, it's gone and you don't have it anymore. So Ellen White says economy is also buying quality. You can find, items. by the way, you can find good stuff at the thrift store. Oh, yeah. Well, no <laughs> doubt. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, buy quality. Don't yeah. overspend. Mm-hmm. And also practice good stewardship with the money that God has given you. Maybe the reason we can't give as much as we want to God or we can't pay our tithe is because we're shopping too much. When we have, first, Let me ask you, just to be curious today, how many uh, ladies in the audience have more than 15 pairs of shoes? How many of you got to change closets when the seasons change? <laughs> Lord have mercy. I was at my mom's house this week, and she just had clothes laying all in her bedroom. I was like, yo, what's going on? Oh, she's like, I'm getting, I'm getting ready for, for springtime now. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so practice Funny thing, let me say this. When I came to Cleveland, I came with three suits. I came with three suits. Listen here, brothers. I have a black. Yeah. I got a blue. And I got a gray. But they're quality suits. All right, I ain't going to call no names in some stores where some brothers go get suits, where you have to replace them every five years. You buy you a good quality suit, and guess what? You throw a different tie on, different shirt on, and nobody even knows that you, and people think you got four and five and six, seven, eight, nine, ten suits. But using wisdom when you shop is in keeping with our faith. Amen? Amen. Buy quality. And quality are not Jordans. That's right. Oh, absolutely not. We think that Jordans are great shoes because they cost $150, $170, sometimes $200 or more. What we do not recognize, this is so funny to me, I, and I have a pair of Jordans, so I'm not condemning anybody. Good I actually Lord. have two or three pairs, to be honest with you. Amen. Uh, <laughs> it's time to disagree now. <laughs> but the issue is... is oh, that hold we, on. Who needs yeah. a pair of shoes out there? He got oh, man. two or Don't three pairs of Jordans. Me, Besides uh, you. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the issue is this, though. When they are making these shoes in China, they probably cost them $40 or less to make. And the truth is, these are not good quality shoes. Just because they have Jordan on them with the Jumpman symbol doesn't mean they're quality shoes. It only takes them a very little, small amount of money, as well as a small amount of time just to sew these shoes together. And by the time you finish running in them and playing in them, your shoes are talking, as we used to say. All right? (laughs) So, dress when you dress, consider sexuality. And we're going to spend just uh, quite a bit of time right here, all right? Yeah, there's a difference between sexuality and sexualization. Now, sexuality is who you are. You are a sexual being, mm-hmm. whether you feel like it or not. You're a man and you're a woman that makes, that, that's your sex, all right? Now, this is what we're talking about as it relates to dressing, and this is probably, there's a reason why we're spending a lot of time on this, because simply this is what's happening in the world. Go ahead, Pastor. The world is selling sex through women. Now, here's the funny thing. You will watch TV, and you will see a commercial. The guy's driving. You know, he's speeding around in his car. He's making these nice turns or whatever. He'll give you the price of the car and how much it's going to cost you financing and all this stuff. And then out of nowhere, a scantily clad woman. 
will walk in and lean on the car or lay get out across the car, the car yeah. get in the car with yeah. the guy or whatever. She's wearing a bikini or the bathing suit. And really, we're just like, oh, if I get that, some people think if I get that car, I'll have that woman. But the truth of the matter is, she has nothing to do yeah. with the car. With the car. It does not make any sense. And I don't know why they do it because they know that if they put a woman, a scantily clad woman in a commercial or in a magazine, guys, especially because we are so visually prone, we're going to lock into that thing. Say amen, Phyllis, because you know it's true. Yeah. yeah, another example of that. I don't know if you guys watched the Super Bowl, but there's one commercial called Go Daddy. Anybody heard of Go Daddy? Now, most of y'all don't even know what Go Daddy is. But Go Daddy is they sell domains for websites, but the commercials have absolutely nothing to do with the websites. They, in an ingenious kind of deranged way, they're trying to get you to, to go to their website and find out what's going on. But again, Notice the sexualization and the objectification of women. Mm-hmm. They are using women to sell products. And we need to be aware of this, and we're going to be more aware as we keep going. All right? Here's the next thing. Godly people are attracted to modesty. Amen. And let me tell you what I mean. Right. I believe myself from time to time to be a godly person. I've given my life to God, and I love God. All right? <laughs> uh, I'm a godly person, okay? What is most attractive to me is a godly woman. Y'all not going to say amen to that? For Really? What is most attractive to me? Boy's up on his feet now. This means a lot to him. Listen. (laughs) Is a godly woman. A woman that loves the Lord with her entire heart. Amen. Now, don't get me wrong, brothers. We all love physically attractive women. Come on, say amen. We're physically attracted to women. But the main thing that is so beautiful and is unfading, as the Bible says, is a woman that loves the Lord. Now, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Women, you know this true, and say amen if if you agree. A man that loves the Lord and is passionate about God and can lead out in prayer and worship, and he's not ashamed of reading his word and talking about God, is that not attractive to you? For godly people, our standard is so much more different than the world's is. Yeah, now, let's, let's qualify attracted. Hmm. Because uh, an ungodly man will be physically attracted to sexual appendages that are overly exposed. Amen. Amen. All right? Mm-hmm. He, he will look at a woman's body and he will be attracted. He will sleep with her. Yeah. He will not marry her. Unless he has to. All right. That's serious. Yeah. And so notice, understand now, that when we talk about attractiveness, we are talking about godly people. They want somebody who has character. Yeah. And sometimes you've been around a little bit and you've experienced the hardship of being in relationships with people who are not godly. And you're sick and tired of the old way. I mean, I'm not saying you're willing to sacrifice all looks, but you've come to realize, I mean, case in point. I remember there was one particular sister that I, have, I was dating, and she was, she was physically, if you saw her, you say she's physically beautiful. Most would agree with that. But, man, as you start to get to know my, my dear sister, it just, they, they even physically started looking different. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's right. Have you ever, heard, have you ever seen somebody, wow, what a gorgeous person, mm-hmm. when they start opening their mouth? Yes. It's just like you can't stand them now. Right, 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 right. So again, it is the inner, it is the, and listen, we're not, this is not just preacher talk. That's right. Because it's something we want to say. It's fact. Right. We are attracted, look, especially with sisters. I'm t- and I said, brothers, listen, I'm going to tell you, all the single brothers in here, hear me out right now. You can have any yeah. 
Don't lower your standard for the kind of woman. Sisters, same thing. Do not lower your standard. The kind of person you are is the kind of person you will attract. That's right. Not the kind of person you look like. Mm-hmm. We were, me and Coxman and I were talking. We talk to the young brothers sometimes, and we'll have them around. Maybe some of them in here right now, which I will leave nameless. And so we'll ask them, yo, man, give me, give me your list of the kind of woman you want. And, man, these sisters are not even real. Yeah. It's true. Like, Impossible. There's no way. Right. Did you know that the Bible says that it's unfading beauty, which is to say that gravity at some point is going to get the best of both of y'all? That's right. Amen. You better right. have something to hold on to other than. Ha! <laughs> and let's just be honest about it, too. I mean, we can't really quantify. We can't really define it. We don't know what it is, but there's something attractive about godliness. And what I think it is, is that the God in us is attracted to the God in other people. Oh, bless his name. That's what it is. The God in us is just attracted to the God in other people. And let me give maybe something, a throwaway to the young girls as well. If a guy, a guy should be able to have to go through God in order to get to you. You ought to be so deep in God. You ought to be so consumed with God. He almost has to ask God's permission to come and talk to you and be with you. All right? So sexuality as well and the way we dress, it really can be dangerous and it can be risky. All right, here, here, we, here we are. We're going to get a little deep for a second. Check this out. This is, there is a conspiracy from mass media advertisement and corporate America to sell sex, and many church people are falling for it. My wife gave, uh, has purchased a book, and you know, because I have a daughter now, things have changed. You think anybody here got a daughter know what I'm talking about. You start thinking differently about these things. And the, one, of the, one of the books, and we'll show you in a minute, but check this out. There was a task force organized, Sister Sedlicek, of some psychologists to take a look at this issue of sexualization in our culture um, from a consumer's perspective. And this is what they came up with. A person's value comes from, this is what they came up with. A person's value comes from his or her appeal or behavior to the exclusion of other characteristics. Keep on moving. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll move it. You go ahead and read. A person is held to a standard that equates physical attractiveness, which is narrowly defined, just to being sexy. All right? Got you. I got you. All right. A person is made into a thing for other sexual use, rather than seen as a person at all, (laughs) but the capacity for independent action and decision-making. All right? And or sexuality is inappropriately imposed upon a person. This is especially relevant when children are imbued with adult sexuality. Case in point, you'll watch some of our young men in the body of Christ, a woman and some of our old men too. help us, Lord. A, A woman will walk by who is well endowed, who is shapely. And the dudes will turn and they'll look and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm about to holler. You don't even know her. You're carnal. And you're too old. Yeah. <laughs> now, can we preach that for a minute? Yeah. Can we talk about that? Listen, the old, the, the, the. <laughs> Listen, man, let's take a time out real quick. Yeah. Brothers in the church, you could go to jail. Oh, yes. You could go to jail. For an inappropriate look at a woman. 
It is called sexual misconduct. If a woman simply calls the police or the authorities and says that you looked at her funny, you could have civil suit. And depending on how old you are and how old she is, your butt could go to jail. We have a mutual friend of ours right now who is in jail for the self-same reason. So, it's, so we're, when we're saying it's dangerous now, it's on a whole nother level. Back in the day, you could whistle at a woman. If you saw her walk down the street, do that now and see what happens to you. You mess with the wrong one, your butt be in jail somewhere. Under the jail. <laughs> Learn how to control yourself. Here's the results they found. And look at your wife. <laughs> Amen. And not somebody's daughter. <laughs> Can I get a witness here? <laughs> The sisters should not be made to feel uncomfortable no, right. in the presence no, right. of godly men. That's right. That's right. That's right. When they walk by, they shouldn't have to be thinking that you're, you're looking. Now, we're going to help you in a minute because it's an equal responsibility. Some stuff the brothers can't help but look at. Amen. I don't agree. It's, it's true. We're, we're going to help them. Yeah, Go we're going to help Women and girls are more likely than men and boys to be objectified and sexualized in a variety of media outlets. And see, this is why there is so much conversation about dress in women. Because let's just face it, guys. We're not trying to be biased. Mass media, entertainment, and corporate America are not using men to sell sex, by and large. They're using women. That's why it's an issue and discussion of dress with the ladies. And so that's why we're going to take some time on dealing with this right now. Keep it moving. Go ahead. Portrayals of adult women provide girls with models that they can use to fashion their own behaviors, self-concepts, and identities. Many of our young women are going through identity crisis. Given the highly sexualized cultural milieu in which girls are immersed, their sexualizing choices about clothing, hair, and makeup, and the sexually precocious acting out that some teens get into may be the result of modeling. modeling. Good. All right. In magazine advertisements, there are evidence that sexual objectification occurs more frequently for women than for men, and that women... It's three times more likely than men to be dressed in a sexually provocative manner. Basically, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you don't see men on TV for the most part. For the most part, they're saying three times more likely they're going to use our girls, our daughters, our mothers. And, you know, amazing thing is, you know, the, when the Lord delivered me from pornography, uh, I think it's like something like 80% of pornography is, 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 is based on women, right? And here's the amazing thing about it. A lot of the women... That for those who are watching and looking at pornography that you're looking at, these are, this is somebody's mama. It's somebody's daughter. Are you hearing this? Somebody's aunt. And so the word objectify means that we begin to treat women as objects. Look at your rap videos. It's called misogyny. And this kind of stuff seeps into the body of Christ. Paul says that, that, that you are all one in Christ. There are some brothers that cannot look at women anything right. at, except for anything as less than because of their experience and their lifestyle of how they've treated women over the years. That's right. right. They can't break free, break free from their pimp mindset. Mm -hmm. That's right. In other words, some men only view women as a sexual vessel. That is it. They barely consider women human beings. Okay? Let me say this real quick. Let me tell you how bad this thing is, guys. There was a recent study done on pornography. And one of the things they found out is, is if somebody is um, addicted to a chemical substance, all right, drugs, alcohol, the first thing you do is you detox them, right? Detox simply means is you separate them from the drug. 
The problem with lust and sexual sin is you cannot detox them. Not, not in a natural sense. You know why? Because it's all in their head. There are, listen, I thank God for the deliverance. I thank God for the de- renewing of my mind. Because there, there was a time where I could not look at a woman except for seeing her as an object. We got to be delivered by the renewing of our minds. Let's keep going here. Sex sales. Sex sales. Culture has taken sex, stripped it of its holiness and mystery. There's nothing left to the imagination now anymore. <laughs> I don't have to ask any questions. I don't got to do no investigating. I know everything that a woman has nowadays because the clothes are so revealing. Amen. There's no mystery. And it's packaged, and it has a product to be purchased. All right? The next slide we're going to show you, this is a video. We want you to take a look at this thing, and uh, you tell us what you think. Anybody catch what just happened there? Somebody said they transformed her, right? You saw how she looked before and you saw how she looked after, right? Media has put before us such a perfect image of females and what they define as beauty that now no woman in the world for a man can really meet that standard. And they're always white. Right. (laughs) Amen. No, we have to go here. Because, and, and there's sisters in here, struggling That's true. with accepting who they are yeah. as a black woman. That's right. They're little girls that sit around, and if they have to choose a Barbie doll... Yeah, they did a study. That's right. They're not going to choose the mm-hmm. black one. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's because they misrepresent the black one. Why is the black one always... Anyway, it's a misrepresentation. But our hair, our nose, our figure... All these things, and this is not what mass marketing and media and corporate America is selling. They're not selling that. They're selling light skin, straight hair, skinny nose, big lips, big hips, big breasts, and guess what? The person is not even real. And so here comes the black woman, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they go to the store where this stuff is sold, and you're trying to squeeze in. <laughs> trying to be cute. <laughs> yeah. Trying to look like something you saw on TV. Right. And then you got, then, and then some of y'all back on healthy, you know, you, <laughs> you got to be healthy. Somebody shout healthy. <laughs> I'm on to this thing now. And, and, then, and then you got no business, some of you, got no business putting on certain kind of shoes. Help them, And Lord. corns Help and bunions, bunions have developed. And, and you up here trying to look cute. Pulling stuff down, can't walk properly, always trying to pull stuff up. Right, right, right. Trying to be somebody that you're not. That's right. That's right. Got to be thin, got to be skinny, 
put some on, make my waist look smaller. Just, hey, look, pretend like you're in Africa somewhere where they say the bigger you are, the, the more beautiful you oh, are. Yes. I mean, just receive who you are. <laughs> Sexualize. Here it goes. So sexy, so soon. Let's, let me jump off on this. Yeah. This is the book. Um, thank God for my wife who uh, picked this up. Many industries make an obscene amount of money using sex and violence to market their products to children. Now, this is where we're going to draw a line in the sand and say you can't have our children. Watch this. A narrow definition of femininity and sexuality encourages girls to focus heavily on appearance and sex appeal. Mm -hmm. We got little girls now talking about they're sexy. All right, keep on going here. They learn at a very young age that their what? Value is determined by how beautiful, thin, Mm. hot, and sexy they are. Keep it moving. And boys who get a very, very narrow definition of masculinity Mm. that promotes insensitivity and macho behavior. That's why it's cool for guys to be hard. Right. And look, you marry him, sisters, and you're going to be mad because he's not a talker. He's not a communicator. Now, it's cool when you're dating for him to be the hard guy that never has only thing. And the only thing he got to say is, no, I'm saying. You feel me? Feel me? You know what I'm saying? Whatever. But when you're going through difficult times, yeah, yeah, yeah. you want somebody to be able to talk you through. That's right. All right? I learned that. So notice they're teaching men be violent, be right. hard. Right. They're teaching girls be sexy. And this is in keeping with what Paul is saying. I don't know if you caught that. This is exactly what Paul is saying. The brothers in the church have an ego problem. They're always disputing and they're always arguing when they should be lifting their hands and praying. The women are more concerned about how they look than giving themselves to God and covering themselves up and trying to get brothers saved and keeping them from being saved. Oh, okay. Y'all don't agree with me? It's already a struggle for men. Men are visually stimulated. Don't get... Lord, help us today. We are so visually stimulated that when we see something that some women put out there for us, it's almost like a bullet coming out of the chamber. We can't put that thing back in. We're already struggling. Help us get into the kingdom. Please. Please, ladies, please help us. Listen, the brothers... (laughs) Listen, and, 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 and to help out, and, and on the other side, help the sisters out, there's some predatorial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brothers, let it be known up in, up in here. If you are praying on sisters in the church, we are going to kick your butt. It, there needs to be a standard raised Amen. in the body of Christ. That's right. That we will protect our women. That's right. From predatorial men. They ought to be afraid up in here. To act funny with our sisters. Is anybody talking back to me in here? That's right. You understand what I'm saying? There must, we got to have both. The sisters are praying on the brothers, throwing everything out there, and we got brothers praying on the sisters. This is an insult unto God. That's right. Let's keep it going Amen. here. It says, uh, let's, let's go to the next one. They learn sex is often linked to violence. Mm-hmm. And they learn to associate physical appearance and buying the right products, my Lord, with being a successful or a sexy person. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, if I wear the right stuff, people will like me. 
If I look a certain way, I will be successful. And that goes totally against what we just read in the Bible. Mm-hmm. All right? So, for example, this is what the book said, and noticing, and me and my wife were just talking about this the other day, man. You go on Victoria's Secrets, and they got the little kids section now. I mean, they, got, they, putting my, they putting my little baby girls in thongs. Come on in here, y'all. You got matching hip hugger underpants and padded, padded, <laughs> padded bras. Yeah, yeah. And I saw one shirt said, the book said, one shirt said on a little girl's shirt in one of these stores, so many boys, so little time. A t-shirt for a four-year-old girl says, scratch and sniff across the shirt, across the chest. A t-shirt for a toddler boy says, pimp squad and chick magnet. My Lord. <clears throat> Now, notice what it says. It says, teach seven-year-olds. Now, no, 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 this is coming from the smoke-filled rooms where they sit up and concoct what the new styles are. This is coming from them. This is a quote. They say, teach seven-year-olds that sexual expression is a matter of accessorizing. And you've secured what you wear, right? And, you, and you've secured a lifetime of purchases in the lingerie department. In other words, if you, if you teach them that, that they are to sell sex with their bodies, they'll keep on purchasing our products. Mm-hmm. This associates sex from non-market feelings. They call it non-market feelings. Intimacy, desire. And associate it, sex, instead with consumable superficiality. They call it superficialities. And you'll not, next one, only keep the rabble in line. You'll have them line up at the mall. So notice their mindset and their motivation has nothing to do with character or anything. They just want you to buy their products. That's right. But they know that men are stimulated by sight and women desire men. So guess what? Let's make the women as sexy as possible, as young as possible, anywhere possible, and we will keep them in line purchasing our products for the ages. Amen. Next principle. So dress healthily. Uh, dress economically. Consider sexuality when you dress. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, please dress appropriately. Oh, can I say something again? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a father now, I appreciate my wife coming to me. And, you know, they're allowing me, her and my daughter, for me to, to say this is appropriate. This is not. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on in here, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, man, we are seeing a generation of fatherless children. That's right. And one of the ways we are seeing fatherless children is we are, there's, there's no father, God. There is no man speaking into the lives of our women and our men. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Now, look, man, you can tell a fatherless girl by the way she dresses. Amen. Now, you say, but she does have a father. She lives at home with him, but he ain't fathering her. Dress appropriately. Here we go. Now, is this brother dressed appropriately? (laughs) Some of y'all say, I don't know now. I thought we were supposed to cover up everything. No, he's in a sauna. Should a man wear a suit in a sauna? You got to dress for the occasion. (laughs) (laughs) Know where you are and dress for the occasion. There are some venues where it's appropriate. Yeah, maybe you could wear a T-shirt and some jeans and some sneakers or whatever, whatever have you. But if you go to a formal affair, brothers and sisters, please. I mean, if you have it, put on a suit, put on a tie, look professional. It is just as immodest for you to draw attention to yourself by not dressing appropriately as it is for you to come to a place dressed so fancifully and gaudy. Amen. You draw attention to yourself either way. Okay? Yeah, there's some people who are, they ain't, they ain't showing nothing. 
but they are so flamboyant with their attire that they are bringing attention to themselves. All right, so here's the type of clothes we have. We got play clothes, we have casual, there's business casual nowadays, there's dress, and then, of course, formal, all right? Black tie events and things of that nature, so dress for the occasion. Last and final principle here, dress with what? Dress with humility, all right? There is three kinds of immodesty as we found it. There's immodesty of self-righteousness, there's immodesty of drawing attention to yourself, and there's immodesty of just, I, I don't really care about what I wear. I don't care what nobody thinks. I'm going to wear whatever I want. That's immodesty as well. Amen. Amen. Let us help you. Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is here talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and this is what he says. Would you pass? Okay. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes <laughs> with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive uh, respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces mm. and to be called rabbi. So Jesus is rebuking the scribes and the Pharisees because they feel that they are so self-righteous. They've gone to the other end, to the extreme of the spectrum. They are very conservative. Uh, they have prayer boxes on their heads. They got nice little hats to distinguish themselves from everybody. And Jesus says that is just as immodest as somebody who is scantily clad in church. All right? Christ in clothes. Isaiah 53, verse 2. This, oh, man, I need to stand up. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Talking about Christ. Nothing to attract us to him. Y'all didn't hear that. Let me say it again. There was nothing, how much? Beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. In other words, Jesus did not have himself on display for the people. What was most exciting and beautiful and majestic about God was his character. When Jesus came on the scene, people didn't flock to him because he was wearing the freshest Jordans. People did not flock to him because his robe was tight, okay? People came to him because his character was beautiful. They picked up on it and saw that he was different from the rest of the world. Yeah, and let me say this. He, is, he specifically distinguished himself from the religious people. See, the religious people were all into their gaudy robes and their gaudy apparel, and they would do this at the expense of the poor. And Jesus, he looked like the majority of the people, so much so that nobody even noticed what he wore. Right. And it's amazing that, I mean, you would think Jesus, I mean, we almost know every detail about his life. But man, 2,000 years later, ain't nobody talking about what Jesus wore. What, the only thing we're concerned about is that he died. Come on, somebody. He lived. He died. He rose again. And this is instructive for us. No matter what your preference is in terms of your dress, man, I, man at the end of the day, saints, I don't know about you, man. I want to be known not for the kind of suits I wore. That's right. I don't want people to say, oh, man, that brother, sure, he could carry himself nice. You know, my flesh wants that. I want people to say, oh, man, he was dapper. He really, I mean, he wanted to dress in this. I mean, you want people to say that. But at the end of the day, what really matters is, is, man, did he love God? That's right. That's did right. he care about, I don't care what he wore. Mm -hmm. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And we have to put our emphasis on other things as well, especially as young men and young women. We put so much time and effort into our bodies and our physical appearance. And at the end of the day, I think people should be asking the question, like, really? That's all you have to offer? What else are you bringing to the table? Can you read? Yes, amen. Can you think for yourself? Do you care about education? Can you handle yourself in, in, a, in a normal conversation? Are you socially awkward? What else are you bringing to the table? Your, that's it? That's shallow at the end of the day. And the word of God says that's going to fade away. If you're putting so much time into something, that's why the Bible says, do not put your treasures where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But put your treasures in heavenly places. Amen? Amen. Jesus had nothing that was beautiful and majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract Yet us to the him. Bible says when you lift him up... <laughs> He will do what? He will draw all men unto himself. All right. Ladies, oh, remember that. <laughs> Philippians 2. All right. <clears throat> Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. All right. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, mm, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to the death of the cross, okay? Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above what? Every name. That at the name of Jesus, every what? Yes, sir. In heaven and on earth and in all the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Matthew 23, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. This is beautiful. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside. My God. (laughs) But on the inside, you are full of the bones of the dead and everything that is unclean. Jesus. We place so much emphasis, brothers and sisters. We need you to get this today. On making sure that we are affirmed by people by how we look. And we wear the right clothes and we have our makeup just right. And we have the newest pair of this and the nice brand name this. But at the end of the day, Jesus says we can be beautiful on the outside, but on the inside be filled with dead men's bones. Our hearts are not right before God. We have nothing to offer anybody because our very core, our heart, our motivation, the very intentions of our mind are evil. And while we are spending so much time making ourselves up, uh, the inside of us is already messed up. Yeah, let me say this. We don't dress. So to answer the initial question we asked, is there such thing as the gospel of dress? In other words, am I going to be saved or lost based on what I wear? It's an emphatic no. You know why? Because God don't need to look at your clothes. He sees through them. He sees why you dress the way you dress. He sees why you act the way you act. He sees why you treat people the way you treat people. And that stuff does not, he is not, he is not at all tricked by what you see on the outside. Watch this. And this is why this kind of behavior where, and, and oh God help me, especially in this church, we are so often preoccupied by making judgments about how people look. 
And the word of God says that stuff doesn't matter. Everybody looked up to the Pharisees, but Jesus said, man, you're dead on the inside. You're dead. What we need to start investing is more on what God is trying to do on the inside. Would you say amen? Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your what? For everything that you do flows from it. Can't get no more plainer than that. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Does it matter the way I dress well? Yeah, maybe. It might. Just as well as we can measure, maybe, if, we can, if I can use that term, measure your spirituality or your relationship with God, with how you spend your time and how you spend your money, maybe the way that you dress at times is also a very good indication of where your heart is. And let me say this. especially for, <clears throat> I've heard story after story of people who have walked in our churches who were not dressed like the general population. Let me ask you a question. Can a prostitute, can she come in here? If, if the spirit moves on her heart right now, on some corner somewhere, and God tells her, run to the church, and she comes in and sits by you, are you going to look at her in a negative light because of how she is dressed. What we are saying is not encouraging that. What we are trying to encourage is that we look more on the inside of how we see ourselves before God. The bottom line is God will send people that don't have the same socioeconomic status that you have. Who don't know what's church attire and what's not church attire. God will send them. But when he sends them, how or what? What's on the inside of us that's going to come outside of our nice Sabbath clothes that's going to treat them with love and kindness? Amen. Amen. Here's the whole point of what we're trying to say. God wants to free you from approval addiction. Amen, somebody. And all of us have it. If you say you don't, you're a liar. All of us want to be affirmed. All of us want to be uh, complimented at times and given kudos and somebody to tell us that we look good and we look beautiful and you do this well and you have nice gifts and talents and things of that nature. But God wants our approval to be based on him all day long. God wants us to look at him and say, man, I wonder if God would be pleased with what I'm wearing right now. I wonder what brother I might tempt today by this short skirt that I'm wearing. I wonder what girl I may tempt if I wear a tight shirt today and she can see my muscles. I'm really wondering if what I'm going to wear today is going to please God or not. So here's a text. Pastor, you can read this for us. This is amazing. Notice this, guys. Hang on. This is our last text. This is God talking to us. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean. Nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into an open field. For on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and I saw you kicking about in your blood. As you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and entered puberty. Your breasts had formed and your hair had grown, yet you were stark naked. Later, I passed by. Somebody thank you for passing by. And when I looked at you, 
I saw that you were old enough for love. I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord, sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Hmm. Let's pause right here. Father in heaven. Yeah, yeah. You looked past our clothes, saw our filthy hearts with all the lies, all the secrets, all the sin, all the hurt, all the pain, every rejection that we experienced, every rape, every molestation. God, every time we were not, every time we were made fun of, God, every time we were despised. Every time we were ignored, God, you saw our hurting hearts. And when you passed by, you didn't leave us there. But God, you cleaned us up in the, 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 the cesspool of our own mess, God. You cleaned us up, God. You loved us. You put your robe of righteousness and you covered our shameful nakedness. God, we've been trying to hide with fig leaves and with suits and with ties and with clothes. Some of us have overexposed ourselves trying to look for love in all the wrong places. But God, you have loved us with an everlasting love. Lord, nobody has loved us like you have. You said you are mine. You are mine. And so God, because we belong to you, we don't need the approval from anybody. Some of us feel like we're too fat, we're too skinny, we're too black, our nose is too big, we're too unwanted. We look totally at externals, but Father, I believe right now that you want to free somebody from their insecurities. Free them, oh God, from the, from the perception that they have of themselves by comparing themselves to others. There's somebody that's lonely. They never felt anybody showed an interest in them. Or there's somebody out there who, who constantly is trying to aggrandize their externals because on the inside, God, they're struggling really with who they are as a person. But God, we rejoice right now that Jesus Christ died for us while we were yet a sinner. God, we rejoice right now that grace was given before we acted right. God, you didn't die for the, for the attractive. You didn't die for the beautiful. You died for those of us who are ugly in our sins. And so because of that, Lord, we have value. You loved us. You called us. You purposed us. We have value and we have meaning. And so, Father, we make the call today. I don't know if you agree that you are the apple of God's eye. Somebody needs to speak over their life right now and say, listen, it ain't about nobody else. I belong to God. I belong to God.